listening to realagriculture.com. Get real and get connected. Hello and uh, welcome again to This Week on Real Ag, our weekly farm news podcast here on realagriculture.com. My name is Kelvin Hepner. It's Thursday, October 23rd, 2014. Coming up over the next few minutes, we're going to uh, discuss a number of uh, news stories from this week, including the World Trade Organization ruling on U.S. country of origin labeling, that ruling coming down in Canada's favor again. Uh, A&W has implemented some new animal care requirements when it comes to chicken. Talk about the use of bio beds to prevent pesticide contamination and uh, some new excitement surrounding flax. But uh, first of all, on uh, a tragic note, of course our thoughts and prayers are with uh, everybody affected by uh, the events this week in, uh, in Ottawa, including the family of Corporal Nathan Cirillo, Ottawa may not be uh, everyone's hometown but uh, as lindsay smith wrote an act of violence toward our armed forces and national landmarks monuments like the war memorial uh, represent an act of violence against all of us across uh, across canada ottawa is also a place where people from across the country are always meeting including many individuals from uh, the small world of uh, agriculture some of those people experienced the tragedy on Wednesday morning firsthand, including Agriculture Minister Jerry Ritz. He was in a Conservative caucus meeting in the Centre Block when the shootings occurred. NDP Ag critic Malcolm Allen, Liberal Ag critic Mark Eiking were also in weekly caucus meetings on, on the Hill when they had to go into lockdown. Farm leaders from across the country happened to also be in Ottawa as uh, the Canadian Federation of Agriculture was holding a, a board meeting and uh, knowing where some of the offices for other ag organizations in Ottawa are, they probably experienced some of uh, the lockdown as well. A group of CCAN employees happened to be touring the Parliament building when uh, the shooting happened and uh, they remained in under lockdown for hours on Wednesday well into uh, the evening. It's just something that isn't supposed to happen uh, here in Canada, but something that also brings our country uh, together, really brings out uh, out the best in uh, in Canada. Looking at uh, what happened in the markets this week, grains continue to uh, find support, keeping uh, the bears away for the time being. Wheat was flat to uh, up slightly over uh, well since last week. Canola some ups and downs, but uh, overall trending higher. Soybeans uh, also up slightly, while well, soybean meal had a pretty good rally over the last few days. Corn also up slightly. Meanwhile, on the livestock side nearby, live cattle futures were up over the past week. Feeders were uh, less so, kind of flat. Hog futures for uh, the nearby month still trending lower from uh, last week. And that leads us into our biggest news story for uh, this third week of October. Cattle and hog producers across Canada welcoming the World Trade Organization ruling again this week that uh, U.S. country of origin meat labeling rules discriminates against livestock from uh, other countries. Agriculture Minister Jerry Ritz standing alongside Dave Salverson, President of the Canadian Cattlemen's Association, and Jürgen Preichus of the Canadian Pork Council in uh, Saskatoon on Monday called this the third strike for uh, the American labeling rules. So this ruling is further vindication for our Canadian position and what we have known for many months now. It's important that the Americans immediately do the right thing in the interests of our North American integrated beef and pork industries. Canada calls upon the U.S. to enact legislative change as soon as possible to eliminate Cool's discriminatory treatment against Canadian hogs and cattle. 
While we fully expect the Americans to appeal again, they must be fully aware that Canada will not blink on cool. Cool will be resolved and our preference is to do so before retaliatory tariffs are implemented. That being said, Ritz said he fully expects the U.S. will appeal the ruling, dragging out the WTO dispute process as long as possible. Well, I think they'll run this, uh, you know, ride this right to the bottom. Politically, as I said, it's a political solution to a problem that doesn't exist, so it'll be the politics that drives this. That's unfortunate, but at the end of the day, they will have to begin to measure up. We'll start the work towards retaliation uh, during that same window of opportunity that they don't take advantage of to to correct this, then we will use that same window of opportunity to get that retaliatory list in play. That's that list of uh, U.S. products released back in uh, summer of 2013, uh, outlining which products could face high tariffs coming into Canada if changes to cool aren't made. Cool has cost producers north of the border billions of dollars since it came into effect in uh, the fall of 2008, and that damage continues, according to Jürgen Preikschis, past chair of uh, the Canadian Port Council. Uh, there's no question that uh, the hurt is continuing and uh, on the pork side we've lost 25 percent of our industry and a big part of that is due to, uh, to M-Cool. So uh, th that is a, an ongoing cost. Uh. So considering those damages, would uh, the Canadian government consider forwarding the proceeds from uh, the retaliatory tariffs back to uh, hog producers, cattle producers who have suffered due to cool? Yeah, Kelvin, as, as the retaliation comes in, it goes into the gen into the government's coffers, but then it's up to the government to, to then decide, working with industry, as to can, can there be something done that is trade compliant? Uh, it's hard to flow that money back through without it being seen as a subsidy. But there are, there are things and, and ways that can be addressed. We did it with the tobacco file, if you remember that court case. Uh, the some of that uh, money was then used in order to uh, work with those producers to, to exit the industry. We're not looking to exit the industry here, we're actually looking to grow it. So, you know, there's a lot of work being done with, uh, you know, farrowing not in crates and things. Maybe there's things the government can do. We'll look at all of that uh, should the time arise. That's second on our on our list. We don't want to go the retaliatory route, but we certainly will should, we, should it be forced upon us. That was Federal Ag Minister Jerry Ritz speaking in Saskatoon on Monday. It just happened that uh, this week we also uh, held a, a Real Ag Summit in uh, Saskatoon. Our Western Canadian team, consisting of Sean Haney, Lindsay Smith, Deborah Murphy, Rhett Sovereign, and Jason Strovey, uh, we got together and uh, you can listen to uh, some of our discussion about uh, COOL and the WTO ruling in a, in a separate podcast coming up on the site. But Sean, I think, expressed some of uh, the same feelings that many producers, many of us are uh, thinking that uh, this whole WTO process is taking far too long to, uh, to fix COOL. Well, I, this has been a very lengthy process, right? And so I think if you talk to some of the people that do uh, policy for a living, they will tell you that this is everything running its course, right? And so it this has required an immense amount of patience. So if you are short on patience and action-oriented, this has been a very long, ridiculous process. Uh, what is interesting is that... Uh, on the way to Saskatoon, we were listening to AgriTalk, Jay and I, and they were talking about how the pro-cool side looked at this as a win, and the anti-cool side looked at this as a win. In I the don't US. know how that's possible. Well, so it, yeah. it's like a technical. It's like one of those like a spin thing, right? So it's yeah. uh, no matter what the answer is, we will somehow spin it to be that it's a win for us. And uh, I just the whole thing is I just I just hope that now the retaliatory measures get into place. 
and we can move forward and but how long will that take because that's my question right is that you know why does the wto even sort of exist right Mm -hmm. what does it allow for and so this ruling has happened then it happened again for canada and mexico now there is a process, I guess, in place, yeah. right? But even that, like, how far are we off retaliation and what does it cost in the well, meantime? Deborah, that's one of the questions we asked Jurgen Preichus of the Canadian Port Council and also Dave Salverson of the Canadian Cattlemen's Association were both at the announcement too. And I guess we kind of heard that it looks like it could be middle of next year, maybe by this time next yeah, year. Yeah, about a year they, they figured their estimate. Which- uh, we will uh, cut it off there. Sorry, Lindsay. Uh, but you can catch the rest of uh, that podcast on uh, cool... That will be coming up on uh, realagriculture.com. We also uh, discussed some of uh, the news this week from A&W, the fast food chain, adding to uh, the list of items on its menu that require specific animal care practices on farms. Of course, last year they moved to uh, selling beef raised without the use of growth promotants. Uh, that caused a major stir in uh, in the cattle industry as it meant that A&W had to switch sourcing lots of their beef to uh, Australia instead of Canada. They've also been marketing eggs from uh, hens fed vegetarian diets without animal byproducts over the last couple months. The fast food chain announced on Monday that it is now switching to only serving chicken produced with vegetarian diets and without uh, the use of antibiotics. The chicken industry as a whole is already taking some steps to reduce the use of antibiotics in barns and also at the hatchery level. As of May of this year, the antimicrobials or antibiotics that are most important for human health are banned for commercial meat chickens. The preventative use of these antibiotics is banned in Canada. Shifting from one topic where the public is concerned or has questions about uh, things happening on farms to another one of uh, these types of issues, this one being pesticide contamination of waterways. There's some interesting research happening in Canada when it comes to the use of bio beds on farms and uh, places where sprayer tanks are cleaned out. With more, here's Deborah Murphy in her conversation, or part of her conversation with the researcher from Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada. Joining me to talk about an exciting Canadian bio bed research project is Larry Brawl, water quality engineer at Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada, Regina. Hello, Larry. Hello. Uh, Okay, so as you know, there's growing concern about the impacts of pesticide runoff in our water and on our land. What is a biobed and how does it look to solve pesticide residue management? A pesticide biobed is basically a bed of of biomix, we call it. It's multiple components that is very good at absorbing pesticides and also extremely good at breaking them down because it, it houses a lot of microorganisms. So how, how's it built? It's, uh, there's various ways to build it. You can excavate a uh, small pit in, a ground, in the ground and fill it full of biomix. Um, first of all, you put down a, a plastic sheet to prevent the pesticides from moving down into the ground and fill it with, with biomix. And then you apply the uh, pesticide rinsate to the top of the biobed. So it's, it's set up for, for the good environment for the microorganisms. And it's also very good at absorbing the pesticides. You can find the rest of uh, Deb's conversation with Larry Brow on uh, realagriculture.com. There's been some talk on Twitter a couple of weeks ago about flax becoming cool again. 
as uh, the federal government last week announced, we told you about a $3 million investment in Flax in the Flax Council of Canada for uh, researching genetic and uh, agronomic improvements when it comes to flax. We heard from Don Kerr, the new president of uh, the Flax Industry Organization. He talked about how there's new excitement with new and more diversified demand for flax since uh, Europe closed its border back in 2008. That's coming back as well. We've seen new demand from China and from the health industry, health food market as well. That's resulting in stronger prices and uh, now this renewed effort to improve the agronomic aspects of, uh, of flax production as well, creating some buzz about the crop. You know, now uh, let's look at the positive side. Let's, let's, uh, let's uh, get this research underway. Let's look at ways to improve the yields. Uh, let's try and fill in the export market. Uh, let's get uh, flax back into the rotations. And uh, before we uh, wrap things up here for Twora this week on Real Egg for October 23rd, Canadian National Railway CN Rail says its net income surged 21% in the third quarter of uh, this year. Get this, due to robust shipments of grain, uh, revenue or income was up $853 million. The railway saw its volume reach a record high due to record grain shipments of 5,000 hopper cars per week, as mandated by the federal government. Quebec-based Olimel announced this week it's spending $10 million to expand and modernize a poultry plant in Quebec. The company also processes pork products and has plants in Ontario, Alberta, New Brunswick, and Saskatchewan. Citing a study from the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency, the EPA, the Sierra Club is now calling, or continues to call, I guess I should say, on the Ontario government to ban the use of neonicotinoid pesticides on soybeans. And the Canadian Pork Council is reminding hog producers that as of November 1st, the USDA will require that pigs exported to the U.S., be uh, identified through uh, the new Pig Trace Canada program. And that's uh, a quick run through of uh, some of this week's top egg stories. Stay tuned to realagriculture.com. We'll have more from uh, our summit in Saskatoon related to cool, as well as farmers of North America's plans for the wheat board, A&W. And of course, you can check where you're at in uh, the real egg hockey pool, how you stack up, uh, how your team stacks up against the federal egg minister's farm team. Uh, we'll also be covering the Cereals North America Market Outlook Conference coming up in Winnipeg next week. If you have any questions or a, a story idea, you can always let us know on Twitter or by email. My uh, Twitter handle at realag underscore Kelvin or khepner at realagriculture.com. Well, thanks for listening. That's this week on Real Ag for October 23rd, 2014. <laughs>